Thanks, Trudy and the team, for leading us together this morning. Three words to remember this morning. You can probably tell me what they are. Salt, light and yeast. Salt, light and yeast, I know you can all go home if you remember those words. And salt, light and yeast were very much a part of common everyday things in biblical times. Um, We don't know them so well today, but in those days, so Jesus picked on three really common everyday things. Actually, there's a fourth word I want you to remember as well, and that was the key word from last week. Okay, I'll preach last week first, and then this week, so settle in. Sent. As the Father has sent me, said Jesus, so I send you. So we're sent as salt like yeast into the community. You, you are the salt of the earth. And that you is actually repeated in the Greek. We don't get it that way in ours because it's such an emphatic word. You are the salt of the earth, said Jesus to the disciples. Not you are like salt, not like you might become salt one day. You are now the salt of the earth. As followers of Jesus, we are the salt of the earth. So what qualities or characteristics does salt have that make it useful and make it important and define who we are? It's a preservative. We don't notice that so much these days. Before refrigeration, meat would have salt rubbed in it to preserve it so it wouldn't go off and it would keep for a lot longer. Um, So it had to be rubbed in. I can remember salt being used as a disinfectant. If I scunned my knees or some other part of my body, I'd come into mum and out would come the warm water, in would go the salt, she'd mix them, and then on to the wounds it would go. It was a kind of a disinfectant. I never, ever got any infections. Ouch. It's a seasoner. We know that one much better today. We have salt sitting on our tables and there are all sorts of salts now for cooking and we shake them in to enhance the flavour and bring out the flavour of our food. And what Jesus is saying to us, his followers, is this. You are vitally important to the world. Listen to this. We are vitally important to the world as salt is to common everyday life what Jesus is saying. We're the seasoning and the preservative for the world in which we're sent. We're there to help add spice to the life of the world. And we're there to hear, there in the world to stop the world going corrupt and going off and decaying and going rotten. In other words, you and I are vital to the well-being of the world in which we live. Really? Oh, wow. Really? I can give life to the world around. I can stop it going into decline. 
By modern estimate, this was figures from the mid-90s, by modern estimate, more than a quarter of the entire population of the United States have professed an evangelical uh, conversion experience. I don't know what the figures are in Australia. We don't keep figures like the Americans do, but I don't think it would have been a lot different. We probably would have been just a little lower. And William Iverson at the time was chaplain to the US Parliament. And he wryly observed by saying this, a pound of meat, you'll have to convert it to Aussie terms, a pound of meat would surely be affected by a quarter pound of salt. You'd reckon, wouldn't you? Get a quarter of a pound of salt and rub it into a pound of meat. And <coughs> if this is real Christianity, the salt of the earth, where is the effect of what Jesus spoke? There's a little sting in that, isn't it? It bears thought and reflection because we so often lament the decaying state of the world. I feel like turning off the news broadcast because it's, it's another moral decline. It's another ethical failure. It's another mob of banks ripping us off and we go, ah, the world's so corrupt, let's get off it. And we throw up our hands in resignation. But I reckon if we're reading Jesus, we should turn the beam back here and go, where is the salt? One can hardly blame unsalted meat for going bad. It cannot do anything else. The real question to ask is this, where is the effectiveness of the salt of the world? Us. Rebecca Manley Pippet, back in the 90s, wrote a book called Out of the Salt Shaker. Don't need to say any more about it, does it? Do I? She says, get out of your ecclesiastical salt cellars and sprinkle salt in the world. That's all she's saying. It's what we do with the salt on the table, isn't it? That's us, sprinkled out there. Well, actually, we are in the world during the week, aren't we? How many come here to work during the week? See, we all go out somewhere else to work. We go, all go out to our families. We go out to our friends. We go out to the communities where we play sport and relax. We really are out there. So what has happened to our saltiness? Paul, writing to the church at Colossae, said this, Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt so that you may know how to answer everyone. We are the salt of the earth. You, you are the light of the world in the same vein. Back in the late uh, 60s, so this was 1969, I was working on the furthest wheat farm west in South Australia, a little place called Nundrew. Anyone can tell me where Nundrew is? Not too many of you have crossed the Nullarbor in a car then, have you? Or you were asleep when you went past the roadhouse. Because straight opposite that roadhouse at Nundru was where I worked several summers during grain harvest. And I used to, on this particular occasion, I was carting uh, grain at night. We'd had a series of days in the mid-40s and it was a bit hot during the day on the dry, dusty, narrow, bumpy, rocky air highway as it was then. It was not bitumen. And I was um, pulling a 25-ton load and I'd come down, starting to come down a very steep hill and I lost all power in the truck. 
no lights, no breaks, middle of the night, no moon. How do you think I felt? I wanted to jump out and let this truck go on its own way, but I was uh, just sitting on a little over 100 k's an hour, and I realised that somehow I needed to get this truck over to the side of the road, and I knew the road well, and all it was was embankments of sand either side, narrow section of the road. I just slowly nudged it into the sand and brought it to a, a halt going uphill. And when I stopped, this is one of the thing, times I'd say silence was deafening, not golden. Because every little noise, I wondered whether there was someone out there in the bush coming to get me. Because it was not unusual for us to get an alert that there was an escaped prisoner or a murderer on the run across the Nullarbor. And there I was on the main highway, midnight, pitch black. Hadn't seen a car in the two hours I'd been travelling and I didn't see another one. I had an inkling to what the problem was because of what my boss told me and eventually after three hours when I could get my hands in around the hot engine I fixed the issue, turned over the engine and switched the lights on. What do you think that felt like? You are the light of the world, says Jesus. I was going to do an experiment here this morning and I knew I'd have a few of your pranksters here up to it but I was just going to plunge this right now into pitch dark and let you see how it felt. Even though you're here with a mob of people you know, I wonder whether there wouldn't be that moment you go, <gasps> and I can't see, help me, how do I get out of here? It's pitch black and so on and so on. And then if I'd done that, I wonder what it would have been like if I lit just a little candle up here and held a little candle there would have been relief and you'd have gone, oh, I can see my way out of here, I can see again. The darkness has been dispelled a little. You are the light of the world, said Jesus. Let your light shine before men that they may see your good or your beautiful deeds and praise your Father in heaven, that they may see your morality, that they may see your ethics, that they may see your compassion, that they may feel God's love through you, as we just sang, that they might see and experience your care. That's what Jesus says. Get out there where it's dark, where morality's in decline, and show them something different. So at work, at home, at sport, where you're relaxing, you and I are the light of the world. Am I a flickering candle? Am I a 60-watt globe? Am I one of these floodlights? And then over to Matthew 13, 33. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into a large amount of flour until it worked all through the dough. That's what the kingdom of heaven is like. We're the salt and light of the kingdom. What happens when we get out there? We get mixed up in the world and the kingdom grows. Imperceptibly at first, but it grows. When we lived in the Mallee in South Australia, we didn't get bread deliveries. We could get bread at the local shop, always frozen. So we started making our own bread and we had... Younger kids then, what were they, six, eight and ten when we moved out there. And 
they loved making the bread with us because you'd have this batch of flour. I was going to set up a demo this morning, but we haven't got the yeast in the house because we don't make bread anymore. But, and then you'd just put a little teaspoon of yeast in it, and a bit of water and a bit of something else and mix it all up. And by the time you finish mixing it, you can't actually see the yeast. And you knead it in and you flatten it out and knead it in and roll it out, flatten it in, knead it out, and then stick it on the bench and a little pile like that, come back an hour later and it's like that. Stick it in the oven and it comes up to a bread. little bit of yeast grows and grows and grows and changes the whole. Gets imperceptible. But then there's a mixing. And then there's an inevitable effect on the whole batch. A small amount of yeast has dynamic power according to this picture that Jesus paints of a common everyday thing. The kingdom of God may be tiny at the start, but like yeast it will have an effect way out of proportion with its small beginnings. This is the way God operates. This is the movement of God. This is his people mixing it in the world salt light yeast images so full of meaning for the people of jesus time three common everyday images we're not quite so familiar with them today you don't actually have to flick a light switch on when you come into this building it does it automatically and we take it for granted but when you walk into a dark house in those days, you have to find a candle, you have to find, I don't know what they lit them with, or a lantern and light it. We're not, we're not quite in touch with these images. Salt, we're a little bit in touch with the idea of spicing up our food and adding flavour to our food. We're not so familiar with the idea of stopping corruption in food. So... So what? You are the light of the world. You're the salt of the earth. As we go out, it's like yeast, the kingdom of God. They're very evocative images, and each one of them points to the fact that we actually penetrate the world, as we talked about last week, salt. We get out of this ecclesiastical salt cellar here. Oh, it's lovely to be here together and please, I'll be here next week and, and get encouragement from being together. But we're out of here now. And salt has to be in contact with food to enhance its flavour, doesn't it? You don't just sit it on the table there and go, oh, that tastes much better. You actually shake it in. It's very simple, very practical. Light. Where's light effective? In the dark. And that world out there is dark if you listen to television news or listen, listen to commentary on politicians and our political life. That world is dark. We've been taken out of what? As followers of Jesus, we've been taken out of the kingdom of darkness and put into the kingdom of light. They're still in the kingdom of darkness and need the kingdom of light amongst them. So light's effective in the dark and yeast needs to be thoroughly mixed with the flour. Just put it on the side of the flour and then throw the flour and water in the oven and the yeast alongside it. What's going to happen? Going to get a little bit of pita bread, that flat. Needs to be mixed. 
So our effectiveness as disciples is dependent on us usually mixing it with the world around us. Or actually mixing it with the world. Intentionally building relationships with the lost so that they can see the way Jesus enhances the flavour of our lives. How wonderful the light of Christ is to the darkness of our souls. And how just a little bit of the kingdom of God is growing us and changing us. We need to be up close enough that they can see that going on in us. Who was raised with be ye separate from the world and come out from among them? I actually couldn't find those words on the lips of Jesus. And that's one of the problems we face. We're told to be really careful of the world out there and yes, there's some good stuff in that. But I believe that has kept us facing inward, looking after the institution of the church rather than being a people who go out as salt, light and yeast into the world around us. These images militate against any forms of separation and withdrawal. We are meant to get involved and be a preservative, a flavour hancer, a light into the darkness and let God grow his kingdom imperceptibly as yeast grows. This is what Jesus prayed for his followers, the church, in John 17, 15. My prayer is not that you take them. So Jesus is praying to the Father, don't take them, the church, that are followers, out of the world, okay, which is certainly what I was raised with for a lot of years. And it's taken me a long while to get over it and see around it. Don't pray for, don't take them out of the world, but this, Jesus prays that you protect them from the evil one. Who's protecting us from the evil one? The Father, because that's what Jesus is praying. Does that put a little bit of a different slant on this as we preserve and enhance life as we're light in the darkness and mixing it with them like yeast the father's protecting us from the evil one now we need to be wise as well but this is Jesus prayer for his church now word of caution I don't believe this says that we're here to Christianise the legislation of our country. We could do a lot talking about that. What we want so often is believers that the whole of the society around us changes and lives all the way we live. I don't believe that gives... We can put our voice out there, but I don't believe that gives us the right to want everything done our way so it's easier for us. We're challenged to be an irritant, salt, light, yeast in this world, marching to a different drum so that society sees God's way in us. We're not here to impose that way on them. We're here to show it to them so that they're invited into the same kingdom that we are in. It's what salt, light and yeast do, isn't it? This is all about our character and our beautiful works. It's all about our compassion. It's, it's all about our love. It's about our forgiveness. It's about our care. It's about justice. It's about words of kindness. It's about words of encouragement. It's all of those things. And when the time comes, it's about saying, I'm like this because Jesus lives in me. 
and then you point them to the Jesus who lives in you. That's how it works and it's exciting. That's how we engage society. How do we get more? There's more of that coming in the weeks that come, so it's just a little look at it. How do we get more salty, be a brighter light and be more yeasty? Because that's often what it is. Oh, here's my chance to be the light. Here's my chance to be salt in this rotten, corrupt boardroom. How do I get more salty? Well, it's too late when you're in the boardroom. You see, it's not a switch you flick. Being salty, being light, being yeast-like comes from journeying with Jesus. All the stuff I've talked about for three or four months here. You see, when we're growing, when we're living next to Jesus, these are the things we're becoming. He's changing us. So we don't have to worry about the light production. We just have to stay close to Jesus. Do we, do we understand that? We cannot turn it on when we feel like it. So you're this grade salt or you're this much light now. If you want to be more, stick with Jesus and let him grow your character. Now I want to just conclude this with an article that Brian Harris wrote for The Advocate in 2004. The Advocate is what we get as a magazine as Western Australian Baptists. Brian Harris at that stage was just coming in to become principal of Baptist Theological College at WA as I was out exiting WA and going to South Australia. And he was reflecting on leaving Mount Roskill Baptist Church in New Zealand to come to his new post as what is now um, the principal of Vos Seminary. And I want to read what he wrote because it was spoke so deeply to my heart at the time. I was, I was trying to slough off all this being separate from the world and all the rest of that. And um, I just want him to speak to us today because I think this is really helpful. So it is lengthy, so I don't apologise for that, but it was really helpful. And this is what he said. While it's heartening to reflect on what went well during the Ross School years, I've, been, I've often asked myself what I would do differently if it was January 1995 all over again and my tenure was just about to begin at Ross School. True, I wouldn't change much, but there are perhaps two areas. Like most growing and successful churches, Roskill runs a seven days a week program. There's a lot on the go, and no matter what age or stage you're at or what life cycle, a part of the program is targeted at you. That's an important strength for a church to have. But when I reflect back on my use of time, I realise that I spent a significant amount helping our programs develop to the next level or motivating people to start new ones. I suspect that many people who worship at Roskill think that their key contribution to the kingdom of God is making sure that the weekly routine of one activity after another runs effectively. But Brian Harris was a great pastor, still is. While there is nothing wrong with what we offer, increasingly research is saying that no matter how well we run our activities, the majority of people will never attend them. Bang! There is a huge block to attending anything directly linked to a church 
So how do we reach the 70% plus of Australians who are unlikely to ever attend any church program, no matter how good it is? It seems to me that we need to focus on equipping people to reach the folk they bump into on a daily basis. If every person who attends our churches went into the week believing that each person they met and interacted with was providentially placed there by God and that they had the task of showing them what Jesus is like, we could start to make some progress. Now, I don't mean that we teach everyone in our congregation to start preaching at their friends and workmates. That would do far more harm than good. But I am convinced that we need to increase the awareness that the way we live our lives in front of others is often the only picture of Christianity they will ever see. Pause. How's your neighbour who never comes in to Bentley Baptist Church going to get a picture of Jesus except through you? That's what Brian Harris is saying. Well, indeed, if I were starting again, I would like to cast as a vision that when someone asks the old question, do you have any missionaries in your congregation, I would be able to answer, well, we have about 800 people who worship here, so we have, how many missionaries? 800. So if I were to do it all again, I'd spend more time training the congregation to be missionaries to their time and culture. It's certainly one of my key tasks as I take up that post of principal at the Baptist Theological College, now both. A second area I'd tweak differently. Rosemary and I have received heaps of cards and letters of appreciation for what we've done over the last nine years. A few themes emerge. One is that little things often mean a surprising amount to others. One person recounts how much it meant to her when Rosemary phoned to ask her how, how her ailing and elderly mother was. Rosemary can't even remember the call, but from what the person has written, it was clearly a turning point for her. Pause. We've just been back at... LBC's Les Murdy Baptist 50th anniversary and as I walked in I received a card from one of the older women there I didn't read it till I got home and I just about broke down I did one little thing with a group of leaders of small groups Sharon and I together when we were there that revolutionized her life and she wrote all about this thing in the card some 20 years later A little thing. That's why I'm in pastoral ministry. Let me not lose my space. Okay, back to Brian. Another is that time spent with people is never wasted. Another is that accepting people where they are at releases them to move to where they've never yet been before. It's one of those life's funny little paradoxes. And the summary of that insight is two words. People matter i've always known that but if i were to start again i'd say it just a little louder every day and i'd want to say it not just at the start of the day but also at midday and again in the evening people have been made in the image of god they really really matter and then this and so if i was starting all over again i'd want to remind myself that all christians are missionaries to people 
and that the people we're missionaries to really matter. Last week, disciples locked in the upper room for fear. Jesus steps in and says, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. We're the sent ones. Jesus sent his disciples off to be involved in the mission of the Father. That's what we talked about last week. You and I are sent to join with God in what he is doing in the world. The Father of the universe trusts us to be involved with him in what he is doing in his world. That is an amazing thing. God is at work in his world, in the people he has created in his his image. Those in your workplace, God's at work. We do not have to create something when we go out there. We need to engage with people and watch what God is doing them and then join with him as salt and light and let the kingdom work grow from yeast. Let's pray. There's been stuff going on in your hearts and minds this morning. I can see it. I know it. The Spirit of God's really speaking to some of you. Just let him continue to speak. We're just going to sit in the quiet. For those that have had an aha moment that says, I am salt, I am light. What I do and say matters out there. May God bless you. May you know that Jesus is praying that the Father will protect you from the evil one while you mix it in the world. Bless you. Maybe for others you've known that, but you haven't been mixing it. And God's actually nudged you to get to know your neighbours better or this person at work or just know that you're effective out there. I want to pray that as you step out, to build more relationships, perhaps find a space in the community where you can minister, that you will know God's blessing on your life. And for those who are just plain struggling with the idea, I will continue to pray that the Spirit of God will speak to you. Father, bless our workplaces, bless our sporting places, bless our schoolyards, bless the places where we relax, bless our homes as we live and as salt and light in all of these spaces. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.